Hi, Pastor Rachel here with Restoration Church. Super excited to be here in the Gospel of Matthew, written from this perspective of an outcast, a tax collector who was who was thought very lowly of. We talked a lot about that last week. But today we're going to enter into Matthew 5, this, this new kingdom that he's ushering in, this shalom, and he's setting up the stage for everything that he teaches and, and does from there as the disciples are watching. And Beatitudes is simply Latin for it can be happy or blessed or blissful, but there's this sense of the state of being happy or blessed. And we're going to open up with Matthew 4:25. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. And why is this interesting? Why did they Matthew put this verse in here at the end of 4 before we moved to this next passage? You know, this diversity of crowd would have been a bit uncomfortable for everybody, including the disciples. We had the Galileans, and they were religious folk, but often not like the high, not at the top of the food chain of the religious, right? They were thought of as a bit common. You had the Decapolis, which was a group of 10 Roman towns, mostly pagan. So they're showing up. You've got the priest from Jerusalem, the, the, the priestly class. And then from Judea, it was kind of considered what we might say today, an ivory tower. They were the religious academics of the day. So you have this mishmash of commoners and elite of pagans, of Christians, well, of Jewish for sure. So Matthew sets us up by letting us know the diversity of thought in that place, the diversity of understanding. Now, probably... A lot of scholars think maybe this didn't happen all in one setting. You know, as Matthew would have written this later, he might have looked back and kind of compiled several different times into this whole message. And it, and it doesn't really matter. This is all representative of what Jesus said and definitely through this lens. But I, I think it's interesting to think about that. Where, what might have been said at one time and what might not have. But anyway, back to blessed or happy or favored, meaning God is for this pronouncement of blessing on all the people that the world considers less than. You see, this isn't a to-do list in order to gain blessing. This is not the hashtag blessed you're thinking about. This is speaking to those who have the most to gain, the most to look forward to with this new kingdom come, this shalom kingdom that Jesus is bringing. So verse one, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him and he began to speak and taught them saying, now we've got the disciples closely, but you still have these crowds following and they're listening as well. But there's a bit of an intimacy here, it seems, with Jesus and his disciples. And I want to point out that the first of these Beatitudes start with this internal posture. They're more about the experiencing of the brokenness of the human condition. And so in verse 3, where it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, that sense of poverty of spirit, it doesn't mean have anything to do with your money or your skills or your career. It has everything to do with how aware are you of your dependence upon God. Now, sometimes that might be a little 
easier for some than others. And it might be easier when you don't have as much, when you're literally grasping at the hand of God for all of your providence. But it's interesting in this, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now that heaven is actually a plural form. It's more like heavens. It's more like the air around us, the skies around us. Uh, Dallas Willard in the kingdom of heaven says, it's where God wants done gets done. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. When God's will is done, wherever God's will is done is the kingdom of heaven, whether it's here or whether it's in the future or there. So Jesus is teaching to these new possibilities of this idea of kingdom, that there's a sense of God right here, right now. And this is good news for those who are poor in spirit, that they can actually partake in God right now. They don't have to wait for their reward after they've passed on, but they literally right here, right now can taste and see the goodness of God. Verse four, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. See, they're making room for lament, both individual and communal. But here's the thing. We do not weep as those without hope because this kingdom of heaven is at hand because God is is with us here. It's a beautiful promise. It's a beautiful hope that we have, that even as we mourn, even as we comfort those who mourn, it's just a season of this. And joy will come in the morning. Five, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, this understanding of meekness is not weakness. Let's get that clear. Meekness in the way that this is, is said is that it's a power under restraint. It's strength under control. So you have power in this situation, but you choose to hold back for one reason or another. Usually so that someone else can flourish. For they will inherit the earth. And a better translation of that would be inherit the land. Now, this was a familiar theme for Israelites. They were a land-based culture and they had been wanting their land back. And still, it's a big theme for the Jewish people. But remember, they were expecting this empire sense of Messiah taking back their land. And this is that Shalom Kingdom counter-narrative. That you will inherit the land. And I'm not sure where my husband got this from, but he often says... Everything that I see is mine, even though I don't own any of it. And that's this idea that this is all a gift from God to us. We have inherited the land where God is. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, reminder that righteousness and justice are interchangeable in Scripture. And we crave these right relationships and this justice between each other between us and our government, between us and creation. You see, it's not just about us and God. It's bigger than that. It's a little complicated sometimes. We get into these complicated scenarios where justice for one is not justice, is injustice for others. And these are complicated things that we have to contend with. But here's our blessing. Here's our happiness that we still, we from the get-go, from the womb, basically, we hunger and thirst for righteousness, for justice, because God formed us that way, because he is a God of justice. Over and over in scripture, he points to justice. That is his very core nature. So, of course, we 
formed in the image of God are going to crave. We're going to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, these internal posture beatitudes that we just talked about, these these experiences of brokenness in our world, which one of these most resonates with you right now? As you're listening right now, is it blessed are the poor in spirit? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or maybe it's blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Maybe you're in a season of mourning. Or maybe blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You're trying to sort out where do you exercise power and where do you not. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Maybe you're in a season where you're just face to face with injustice. And it's just, it's just tying you up in knots. Hold on, for the kingdom of heaven is here as well. Now we're going to change to external postures. This is ministering outwards to the brokenness. And verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. You see, we receive mercy vertically from God, but not to hoard it, but to give it away horizontally, right? Now we want to believe that, you know, me and God are good. He understands my heart, my motives. He's making allowances for me. But this verse here reminds us that we are called to account for the way that we treat others as well. Ouch. The way that we extend mercy, true mercy to others. You can't not separate receiving from God and our our obligation to share those gifts with others. It's always the way it is with God and his the way that he views things. Number eight, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. You see, internal posture is everything with God because what is inside eventually shows on the outside. When you are pure in heart, you're going to see God in all kinds of places. You're going to see God in places that others don't because of that purity of heart. And so we seek that. We want to be the kind of people who look for God in places and spaces where maybe we haven't before because he's there. The kingdom of heaven is near. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, it's peacemaking, not peacekeeping. It's not conflict avoidance. It's conflict resolution. We often think of a peacekeeper as someone who just stays out of it. And peacekeepers do. But a peacemaker sometimes has to go into the fray. It has to get right in the middle between opposing views in order to broker a peace. And that's what we're called to here, peacemaking. Now, there's a something I came across, Four Steps to Peacemaking, from this book, Mending the Divides, Creative Love in a Conflicted World. And here are the four steps, and I thought they were pretty profound. Number one, see. We see the humanity, the dignity, the image of God in everyone. Number two, we immerse. We move in the posture of learners rather than the heroes and the capes coming in to save the day. We're here to learn. Three, we contend. We find creative ways to stand in front of any bulldozer that flattens people. Often in the middle of conflict, one person is stronger than the other in, in whatever way that might be. And so sometimes we have to stand in front of the person who cannot defend themselves. We have to stand up to the bulldozer, the bully, whatever it is in that situation. And then the final 
step is to restore. We celebrate what God is doing in and through us as we see, immerse, and contend. We bring God into this mix at every possible juncture. That's peacemaking. We are called to be peacemakers. We are blessed. We are favored. We are happy to be peacemakers. It takes courage. It takes bravery. It takes strength. Number 10, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. John Stott says this, persecution is simply the clash between two irreconcilable, silable value systems. It's the byproduct, byproduct of seeing first the kingdom of God. You see, there's nothing to be mad at when people misunderstand you. You can expect it. As we go through this, all of these Beatitudes, they're flipping the script on what's normal around us. You know, this is not a society that honors the poor in spirit or those who are mourning or those who are meek or those who are craving righteousness and justice. This is not a society that honors us for being merciful or pure of heart, or peacemaking. So we're going to be a little odd to the world. Nothing to be mad at. Expect it. We are a peculiar people. We are set apart. We are flipping the script on the normal language around us. Now here's interesting as we go into verse 11, Jesus changes the pronoun. He is specifically directing this to disciples. Now he's just explained to them what this new shalom kingdom that he is ushering in means. He's defining it for his disciples. And then he says to them, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you so do you see what he's doing there he's saying look here's some truths this is what i'm about this is what we are about now but you're going to be misunderstood you're going to be, in their case, persecuted physically. Most of them died a martyr's death. People accused them of all sorts of false things, that they were trying to do power grabs, right? We see that in Acts, um, but your reward is great. And basically what Jesus says is it's always been this way. The people of God, the prophets, those who are called into this upside down shalom understanding of kingdom have always had a little bit different had a little tough at times but there's a reward in it both here and there and so that's what we hold on to i mean we have to have this holy spirit within us to do this this is not within our scope we are basically most of the time selfish and protective and we don't want anything that hurts or anything that makes us look uh, peculiar to the world around us but Jesus is saying but this is the way this is the kingdom that I'm here I want you to be part of it so be prepared to speak to it but also be prepared that people won't get it and it's okay so let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for these beautiful teachings that you've given to us. 
that someone has written down, witnessed. Lord, help us, filled with the Holy Spirit, live out the truths that you have presented to us here. We thank you for Matthew's eye that's always looking for those places where you invite the outsider in, the poor, the mourning, the meek, those in conflict, those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, those who have been in injustice, those who need mercy, those who are pure in heart. So, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for this understanding, the richness, and thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit to help us walk out these truths. In your precious name, amen.